This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. Good morning, I'm John Trout. It's Monday, February 19th, 2024, President's Day. Here's what's coming up on America in the Morning. Reaction to the verdict in the Trump New York City civil trial and the campaign trail for the former president rolls on. I'm Clayton Neville. Two police and a paramedic killed outside Minneapolis. Julie Walker has the story. A missing girl in Texas cougar attack in Washington. We'll have those stories. There are many unanswered questions after a shooting at Joel Osteen's Houston Megachurch. I'm Walter Ratliff. On Wall Street, the financial markets are closed today for the President's Day holiday after a volatile week for stocks last week. I'm Jessica Ettinger. A string of cases involving mishandled bodies in Colorado, which has some of the weakest funeral home industry oversight in the nation. I'm Jennifer King. Friends and family say it's been a remarkable year for former President Jimmy Carter in hospice care. I'm Jackie Quinn. All ahead on America in the Morning. As Georgia prosecutor Fonnie Willis attempts to maintain her post as the lead prosecutor in the election racketeering case against former President Trump, a New York judge levels a hefty fine against Trump in his verdict in the New York City civil trial. Correspondent Clayton Neville has that story. Former President Donald Trump, his sons, and other co-defendants ordered to pay more than $450 million when it's all said and done for overhauling their business assets. That represents $363.9 million in disgorgement. New York Attorney General Letitia James. Plus $100 million in interest, which will continue to increase every single day until it is paid. Trump's lawyers call the verdict election interference as their client is the Republican frontrunner in the race for the presidency. Trump and his sons each slapped with temporary bans from doing business in the state of New York. Following the verdict, it was back onto the campaign trail for Trump in the Democratic city of Philadelphia, where he was met with support and with booze. Wow, a lot of emotion. There's a lot of emotion in this world. Thank you. Thank you. So, so the really nice thing is we have lines, and I want to thank Jay. Trump was at SneakerCon unveiling some Trump merch, gold never surrender high top sneakers, and certainly had his backers behind him. Yes, we need him. He's a Christian. He's a good, honest man. They're after him for no reason. Go out and Next, it was on to Michigan, where Trump made these comments, comparing himself to Al Capone, as he has before. But a lot of them come to me and they'll say, how do you do it? You go through all these subpoenas. You got indicted. Now, in my whole life, I didn't know what the N-word, I didn't know what indictment meant. You got indicted more than Alphonse Capone, Scarface. They say, how do you take it? How do you do it? I say, It doesn't bother me. It's like I'm just doing something for some incredible people. It's called the American people. The Biden campaign was quick to post the apparent misspeak and brief mention of the N-word on social media. During the weekend rally, Trump referred to the judge in the New York case as a lunatic and said that he knew he would lose a billion or two billion dollars if he ran for president. He called it, though, the best thing he ever did. I'm Clayton Neville. In Burnsville, Minnesota, outside Minneapolis, two police officers and a fireman paramedic were shot and killed after responding to a domestic disturbance call early Sunday morning. As Julie Walker reports, the first responders are being called heroes for their actions, including by Minnesota's governor. When you go into these circumstances knowingly, it takes a whole kind of bravery that few people have. And still, 
This is an important public service that we need, that we need people to step up to do. A desperate call for help from a home in suburban Minneapolis early Sunday turned deadly for two Burnsville police officers and a first responder who were shot and killed, according to officials. The Minneapolis Police and Peace Officers Association saying negotiations with a suspect who eventually died went on for four hours before a SWAT team entered the home where seven children were inside. The uh, subject uh, opened fire on the officers in the home, and officers Elmstrad, Rugi, and Finseth from the fire department, uh, Mr. Finseth, were killed by the gunman during the response. At approximately 8 a.m., the subject was reported to be deceased in the home. And later that morning, those other children and family members were able to escape from the home. KMSP-TV spoke with this neighbor. Loud bangs and gunfire after that, that that woke us up. In addition to those killed, other officers were injured. Governor Tim Waltz saying, my heart is with their families and the entire state of Minnesota stands with Burnsville. This is not just a noble profession, it's an honorable one. They're running towards danger when so much of many of the rest of us would run in the opposite direction. Uh, It's a job that you step up to because you want to protect and serve your communities. I'm Julie Walker. When we return, authorities asking for help in locating an 11-year-old missing girl and cyclists lucky to be alive after a cougar attack. That and more when America in the Morning continues after these messages. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome back. You're with America in the Morning. A check on the nation's weather now and where some spring-like temperatures are in the forecast for today. Here's AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson. The southern third of the nation will have a taste of spring today with nice and mild weather. Plenty of sunshine with highs in the 60s will be common across the southern plains into the southeast as well as the desert southwest with 70s over southern Texas. The northern and central plains will also have dry and sunny weather today with highs ranging from the 30s and 40s across the northern plains to 50s across the central plains. Much of the eastern half of the nation will have a good deal of sunshine, although there will be a few lingering flurries over the lower Great Lakes region into northern New England. It will still be cold over northern New England with highs in the teens and 20s, but temperatures will moderate nicely further south over the mid-Atlantic with highs in the 40s. Meanwhile, a storm spinning off the west coast will send rounds of rain and even thunderstorms into a large portion of California today. Rain will reach as far south as the Los Angeles area, where it could be 
heavy enough to cause localized flooding and even a threat for mudslides in the foothills and mountains. Further north, there could be thunderstorms over the San Joaquin Valley of California, including places like Fresno and Sacramento. The threat for storms will also extend into the San Francisco Bay Area. The main threat from these storms will be localized flooding downpours and damaging wind gusts. It's not all the question that a couple of storms may spin up an isolated tornado or two. A steady rain will fall over far northern California, with more showery rains falling over Washington and Oregon. Showers of rain and mountain snow will spill over into Idaho, Nevada, and Utah, with snow sneaking in the mountains of western Wyoming this afternoon. In Washington, D.C. today, plenty of sunshine, high 49. Meanwhile, in San Francisco, showers and thunderstorms with a high near 60. That's the nation's weather. I'm MikeyWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. A person in police custody on unrelated charges is suspected of involvement in the case of an 11-year-old girl who went missing Thursday in Livingston, Texas, about 70 miles from Houston. Authorities say Audrey Cunningham was last seen near her home in the morning, now five days ago, and was supposed to catch a school bus. She never got on the bus and never made it to school. Police are expected to release more details later today. A group of five cyclists are lucky to be alive after they were attacked by a cougar on a trail outside of Seattle. Police say one of the bikers, a 60-year-old woman, suffered serious injuries to her face. Police were forced to shoot the cougar when they arrived. The trouble in King County, Washington, isn't over as a second cougar was also believed to be in the area and a search for the predator is still underway. Evangelist Joel Olstein preached about living without fear in his Lakewood church in Houston Sunday, exactly one week after a woman with an assault rifle exchanged gunfire with security, leaving two people injured and the shooter dead. Correspondent Walter Ratliff reports. Last Sunday, 36-year-old Janice Moreno was killed after exchanging gunfire with two off-duty officers after she opened fire in Lakewood Church. Authorities say they're reviewing Moreno's history of mental illness, a criminal record, and a dispute with her former in-laws. CPS was notified about this woman so many times. Wally Carranza is the former mother-in-law of the shooter. And now we understand that the police, the governor, the mayor were being called by her neighbors and no one responded. She says they had previously reached out to the church for help. We did not get a response. The shooter's motive remains unclear. Authorities say they're investigating how she legally purchased the AR-style rifle used in the attack. Pastor Joel Osteen says the shooting won't deter his church from its mission. There are forces of evil, but the, the forces that are for us, the forces of God are stronger than that. I'm Walter Radliff. When we return on America in the Morning, retailers lament the return after these messages. This is America in the Morning. A medication used to treat asthma can now be used to help people with food allergies avoid severe reactions. 
The Food and Drug Administration says Zolaire became the first medication approved to reduce allergic reaction caused by accidental exposure to food triggers. The FDA says patients as young as age one with allergies can take the drug every two to four weeks, depending on their weight and their body's response to allergens. It's believed that as many as 17 million people in the U.S. have the type of food allergies that can cause serious symptoms, including whole body reactions that are potentially deadly. Here's CNBC. Jessica Ettinger with a check of Monday business. On this President's Day holiday, no trading on Wall Street. The financial markets are closed. Stocks are coming off a roller coaster week last week with the January inflation numbers ticking higher. Stocks plunged on Tuesday because stubborn inflation means the Fed might not cut interest rates anytime soon. But for the first time in a year, CEO confidence is improving. More positive than negative in the CEO confidence survey. CEOs are finally starting to feel a couple of things, sort of the general momentum in the economy that is borne out by you know, the macro statistics. Issues around supply chain continue to improve. And, you know, destocking, where a lot of companies built up a huge amount of inventory, you know, close to the consumer, that seems to be behind us. It's not an overwhelming vote of confidence. You know, anything above 50 is thought to be positive this week. Was roughly 53. Former Fed Vice Chair Roger Ferguson on CNBC. Retailers are hoping you're heading out spending today. They're running the usual President's Day sales. This is a big week for earnings reports coming from big name retailers, including Walmart. And that company certainly wants you in there today. Some people are just buckling down for the holiday at the kitchen table. They're doing their taxes and checking on their own budgets and personal finances today. The IRS tax deadline is still about two months away. Some people also also today may be spending time planning a spring or summer trip. If you're looking for affordable airfares, the CEO of Delta Airlines says the busy period is now starting. It's a strong line, the, the long President's Day weekend travel period going right through Labor Day. Bookings are, are solid. Travel's doing really well. Delta Airlines CEO Ed Bastian on CNBC. Retailers attempt to mitigate some losses at the retail counter, especially from return items. What are they doing there? Yeah, have you noticed? It's costly when we return things to retailers. So they're making it harder to return items and they're charging for it a lot more now too. The cost of processing an online return averaged at least 21% of an order's value, according to Pitney Bowes. CNBC's Courtney Reagan says many retailers will take a fee from your refund to pay for a return shipping label now. Some retailers are also using AI to personalize their return policies like Amazon, which will apply different different rules to different customers, depending on whether you're a regular returner or not. The flip side is that more retailers have keep it policies for some items that just cost them too much to take back. On today's watch list, Wall Street is quiet for the holiday. Tomorrow, the earnings reports begin coming in fast again. We're going to hear from Walmart, Home Depot, Barclays, Toll Brothers, the home builder, Caesars Entertainment, Diamondback Energy, and Palo Alto Networks. Thank you, CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Health update on our oldest living president. When America in the Morning continues after these messages. America in the Morning continues. More charges are pending after yet another grisly find involving a funeral home case out of Colorado. Correspondent Jennifer King reports. 
the latest in a string of cases involving mishandled bodies in Colorado, which has some of the weakest funeral home industry oversight in the nation. An arrest warrant was issued for Miles Harford, who's cooperating with police. The 33-year-old owned Apollo Funeral and Cremation Services in the Denver suburb of Littleton. During the eviction of a house he rented, Denver police say the body of a 63-year-old woman at least two years old was found stored in a hearse. Also discovered, up to 30 remains, which had been professionally cremated. Harford told police he'd been unable to find a crematory to take the body, but the woman's family told investigators they were given what they believed were the woman's ashes. The Denver DA says Harford faces charges including abuse of a corpse, forgery of a death certificate, and theft. In a separate case in Colorado Springs, a married couple is awaiting trial for allegedly abandoning almost 200 bodies and giving out fake ashes. Operators of a funeral home in Montrose, Colorado, were sentenced to federal prison last year for distributing fake ashes and selling entire bodies and body parts. I'm Jennifer King. This weekend marked one year since 99-year-old former President Jimmy Carter entered hospice care. Correspondent Jackie Quinn reports. He turned 99 years old in October, and the Carter Center released this commemorative video. Jimmy Carter, America's 39th president, a champion for peace, solar power pioneer. His longtime sweetheart, Rosalind Carter, died in November, about six months after it was announced she had dementia, with a frail but determined Jimmy Carter attending her funeral. The Hospice Foundation of America says having the former president in the public eye in hospice has shed a new light on end-of-life care. The Carter family issued a statement saying it's pleased that last year's decision to enter hospice care has sparked so many family discussions across the country. I'm Jackie Quinn. America in the Morning for Monday, February 19th, 2024, President's Day, is produced by Jeff McKay. Senior producer, Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. I'm John Trout. Coming up this half hour... Texas seemingly digging its heels in at the southern border. I'm Clayton Neville. Nikki Haley has a long road ahead to challenge Donald Trump and win her home state. I'm John Stolnes. Hundreds are detained in Russia as the country mourns opposition leader Alexei Navalny's death. I'm Mimi Montgomery. Danton Louderman was wrongly accused as one of the mass shooters during the Super Bowl victory parade is now fighting to clear his name. I'm Sue Aller. An update on two students in Colorado dead of gunshot wounds. Then man faces judge in the shooting of policemen. Former U.S. Representative George Santos is suing late-night talk show host Jimmy Kimmel over a segment on Kimmel's show. I'm Archie Zaroleta with the latest. Back after these messages. Welcome back. This is America in the Morning on where we'll find the stormy weather today across the country. Here's AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson. It will be out west where most of the stormy weather will be found today as a storm spinning off the west coast will send rounds of rain and even thunderstorms into a large portion of California. Rain will reach as far south as the Los Angeles area where it can be heavy enough to cause localized flooding and even a threat for mudslides in the foothills and mountains. Further north, there can be thunderstorms over the San Joaquin Valley of California 
California, including places like Fresno and Sacramento. The threat for storms will also extend into the San Francisco Bay Area. The main threat from storms in these areas today will be localized flooding downpours and damaging wind gusts. And it's not out of the question that a couple of isolated tornadoes could spin up. A steady rain will fall over northern California, with more showery rains falling over Washington and Oregon. Showers of rain and mountain snow will extend into Idaho, Nevada, and Utah, with snow spreading into the mountains of western Wyoming later today. Dry weather will be found over the rest of the Rocky Mountain states and in the desert southwest with a mix of clouds and sunshine. Much of the central U.S. will have dry and sunny weather today, with highs ranging from the 30s and 40s across the northern plains to nice and mild 60s over the southern plains, with 70s found over southern Texas back into the southern parts of Arizona and New Mexico. Much of the eastern half of the nation will also have a good deal of sunshine today. There will be a few more clouds over the lower Great Lakes region into northern New England, along with a few snow flurries. It will still be cold over northern New England with highs in the teens and 20s, but temperatures moderating nicely further south of the mid-Atlantic with highs in the 40s. It will be pleasant across the southeast with highs in the 50s and 60s. Most of Florida will also be dry, although a few showers may dampen areas near the east coast. That's the nation's weather. I'm IQWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson. Remember to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. There's some confidence on Capitol Hill that a deal surrounding the southern border can get done. But in the meantime, the state of Texas is expanding its border security operations. Correspondent Clayton Neville reports from the Lone Star State. The state of Texas has National Guard and state troopers stationed at the border arresting migrants who cross into Texas and laying razor wire and other deterrents. National Guard have been scattered across uh, this entire region uh, in cramped quarters, uh, away from fellow uh, soldiers and guard, sometimes traveling long distances to be able to do their job. Texas Governor Greg Abbott announcing the construction of an operating base camp in the border's Del Rio sector. This will increase the ability for a larger number of Texas Military Department personnel in Eagle Pass to operate more effectively and more efficiently. The governor says the camp will be able to house about 1,800 troops. With the ability uh, to expand up to 2,300 uh, if we have surge needs. It will in include uh, individual rooms for soldiers. Uh, it will provide a large dining facility recreation, computers, things like Wi-Fi. The Texas Military Department acquired 80 acres for the camp in Eagle Pass. The state has spent billions of dollars on border security, and while the governor insists it's the federal government's job to pick up the tab and to protect the border, he says he'll continue to do what the White House won't. The Biden administration still pointing to Congress to get something done at the border, despite recently failed efforts to do so. No aid for Ukraine yet either. But Senator Lindsey Graham on CBS's Face the Nation this week said that he believes there still could be a path forward. I do. I feel very optimistic after having been on the phone all weekend talking with my House colleagues that there's a way forward regarding the border and Ukraine. No clear timeline yet on when any proposed legislation could make it back in front of lawmakers for any potential hearings or votes. Go back to remain in Mexico. You have to wait in Mexico for your solemn claim. You're not released in the United States. And secondly, uh, to reinstitute Title 42. I'm Clayton Neville.
With the South Carolina primary on Saturday, the latest polling shows Nikki Haley far behind Donald Trump in the polls as Haley and surrogates for Trump and President Biden appeared on the Sunday shows to stump for their candidates. John Stolness has this follow-up from Washington. On ABC's This Week, Haley resisting calls for her to drop out of the race if she loses on Saturday, as expected. And if Donald Trump is the nominee... Of the in for the Republican Party, he will not win, and we will have a president, Kamala Harris. I'm not going to allow that to happen. I'm not stopping. Haley also hitting back at the idea that Trump should be anointed the candidate by his handpicked leaders at the Republican National Committee. We saw in his campaign reports that he used fifty million dollars of campaign contributions to pay for his personal court cases. Then he tried to get the RNC to name him the presumptive nominee. We don't anoint kings in America. Haley, Trump's former ambassador to the United Nations, hitting Trump for remaining silent on the death inside a Russian prison of Putin opposition leader Alexei Navalny. Either he sides with Putin and thinks it's cool that that Putin killed one of his political opponents, or he just doesn't think it's that big of a deal. Either one of those is concerning. On CNN's State of the Union, Trump supporter Senator Tim Scott, a rumored vice presidential possibility, says President Biden was slow to give Ukraine funding at the beginning before the war began and disputes the idea Trump doesn't want to help Ukraine. Congress has appropriated over $100 billion. Even President Donald Trump has said a loan to Ukraine would actually provide more resources. Democratic Governor Josh Shapiro of Pennsylvania an important swing state, says on ABC's This Week, Trump is an agent of chaos. In many ways, this election is less about Joe Biden and Donald Trump and more about us and the kind of country that we want to build. But Scott, this time on CBS's Face the Nation, says voters don't care about Trump's past and legal problems. The American people are asking questions about economic challenges. They're not talking about legal challenges. They're talking about their challenges across a kitchen table. An insider advantage poll from late last week finds Haley trailing by 22 points, with an average polling of the month of February giving Trump a 31-point advantage with less than a week to go. I'm John Stolnes. Western leaders and Kremlin critics are blasting Vladimir Putin for Alexei Navalny's death. As correspondent Mimi Montgomery reports, Vice President Kamala Harris and President Biden say the death of the Russian political activist just weeks before an election, which would give more power to Vladimir Putin, is highly suspicious. I met with his wife, Yulia, yesterday and expressed my outrage and sorrow. In this fight, and I will say that... um, Alexei Navalny has been a brave leader who stood up against corruption and autocracy, and he stood up for the truth. The reports of his death are further proof of Putin's brutality. It reminds us why our support for Ukraine is so important. A prominent human rights group says over 400 people have been detained in Russia while paying tribute to opposition leader Alexei Navalny, who died at a remote Arctic prison. The sudden death of Navalny is a crushing blow to those Russians who had pinned their hopes for the future on President Putin's fiercest opponent. No matter it happened, it happened there, just they brutally killed him or they killed him slowly, it doesn't matter. It wouldn't happen if he would be free. Navalny remained vocal in his unrelenting criticism of the Kremlin, even after surviving a nerve agent poisoning and receiving multiple prison terms. Putin had him poisoned. He had him arrested. He had him prosecuted for fabricated crimes. He sentenced him to prison. He was held in isolation. Even all that didn't stop him from calling out Putin's lies. 
Even in prison, he was a powerful voice for the truth. The news of his death reverberated across the globe with hundreds of people in dozens of Russian cities streaming to ad hoc memorials, leaving flowers and lighting candles. In over a dozen cities, authorities detained hundreds, according to the OVD Info Rights Group that tracks political arrests and provides legal aid. More than 200 arrests were made in the second largest city, St. Petersburg. I'm Mimi Montgomery. When we return on America in the Morning, update from Kansas City on the Super Bowl celebration shooting and tech titans battle AI. We're back after these messages. America in the Morning continues. I'm John Trout. A Kansas man is hoping to clear his name after photos of him being detained following the shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl rally last week went viral. Sue Aller has that story. It wasn't me. After the tragic shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl victory parade in Kansas City, Missouri last week, Denton Loudermill, a father of three and a diehard Chiefs fan, found himself wrongly accused as one of the mass shooters. Now he is fighting to clear his name. Loudermill spoke to KMBC 9 News. And I just want to clear my name that I had nothing to do with anything. His lawyer, Lorana Lassiter-Saunders, also spoke to KMBC 9 News and says he is also being targeted online with misinformation. Because Mr. Denton has received death threats over a lie, over misinformation. He didn't do anything wrong. He did not commit a crime. So please run till that. Get the truth out there. Help us clear his name. Saunders says he was detained by police for being intoxicated and not moving from the crime scene. Eventually, he was let go without a citation or an official arrest. At least 23 people were shot, including multiple children. Lisa Lopez-Galvin, a 43-year-old mother of two and radio DJ, died. Two juveniles under 18 have been charged. I'm Sue Aller. An investigation continues in Colorado Springs, Colorado, after two students were found dead of gunshot wounds in a dorm room. Correspondent Julie Walker is following the story. Police say the deaths of two people shot in a dorm room at the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs, are being investigated as homicides and do not appear to be murder-suicide. I know that all of our campus community is joining me in sending our love and support to their friends and family during this time of tragedy. Chancellor Jennifer Sobonet calls it a tragedy and says the school as well as the larger community is in mourning. Our hearts are overcome by grief as unspeakable violence has reached into our campus, our home. The chancellor says counseling services are being made available and then on Monday they plan a day of healing for students. I'm Julie Walker. A man faced a judge held in the shooting of three Washington, D.C. police officers during a standoff last week. Correspondent Haya Panjwani reports. Law enforcement were trying to serve an animal cruelty warrant and ended up in a day-long standoff. Officers removed several guns and 31 dogs from the home of a man named Stephen C. Radigan, also known as Julius James. The shot officers were treated for leg and arm wounds and have been released. Radigan told police that he fired the shots because he feared for his and the dog's safety. He's been charged with assault with intent to kill while armed, assault on a police officer while armed, and possession of a firearm during a crime of violence. I'm Haya Panjwani. Automaker Ford is weighing a production move after a costly union strike last year. Correspondent Jackie Quinn has the update. 
The CEO of Ford, Jim Farley, says the contentious strike last year by United Auto Workers members has changed the company's relationship with the union and could affect production locations in the future. Farley tells a global conference as they look to transition from gas to electric vehicles, they'll have to think carefully about their manufacturing footprint. He says Ford always took pride in a good relationship with union workers and deliberately kept operations in the U.S. instead of moving to Mexico, but notes the Kentucky truck factory was the first one shut down by the UAW strike. I'm Jackie Quinn. AI deepfakes are becoming commonplace on big tech social media platforms. Now, 20 of the largest tech leaders signed a pact to battle the use of AI in deceptive campaign ads worldwide. Here's Chuck Palm with that in today's tech news. A group of 20 tech companies announced on Friday they have agreed to work together to prevent deceptive artificial intelligence content from interfering with elections across the globe. A recent report on Reuters said that the rapid growth of generative artificial intelligence, which can create text, images, and videos in seconds in response to a user's prompts, has heightened the fears that this new technology could be used to sway major elections in a year in which more than half of the world's population is set to head to the polls. OpenAI, Microsoft, Adobe, Meta Platforms, TikTok, X, and about 10 other major tech firms have all entered into the signatory agreement that was announced at the Munich Security Conference. The agreement commits to collaborate on developing tools for detecting misleading AI-generated images, videos, and audio, creating public awareness campaigns to educate voters on deceptive content and how to take action. Leave a comment at allthetoptech.tech. I'm Chuck Palm. Monday Morning Sports with Robert Workman on America in the Morning. After winning the three-point shootout on All-Star Saturday in Indianapolis, Damian Lillard used those skills in the 73rd All-Star Game Sunday night, leading the East over the West 211-186. to 186. Lillard had 39 points, mostly thanks to 11 three-pointers, the last one on the final shot of the game from 44 feet out. I just told myself I'm going to be aggressive and I'm going to keep firing. I saw a couple go in, and after that it was just like I'm going after it, so that was it. Lillard becomes just the second player to win a Saturday night event and take MVP honors in the game on Sunday. The other was that Michael Jordan fellow in 1988. Carl Anthony Towns had 50 for the West. That's the highest total for a player who did not win an MVP. The game set new records for points by one team and both teams and the most threes made and attempted. NBA regular season play resumes on Thursday night. The other big event that was on the Sunday schedule, the 66th running of the Daytona 500, had to be postponed until today because of bad weather in Florida. College basketball, Ohio State upset number two Purdue 73-69, winning the debut of their interim coach, Jake Diebler. The Buckeyes forced 14 Boilermaker turnovers, resulting in 22 points. NHL, the Rangers rallied past the Islanders 6-5 in overtime at MetLife Stadium, improving to 5-0 all-time outdoors. The Avalanche came back to edge the Coyotes, and the Kings trimmed the Penguins on Yaramir Yager Day in Pittsburgh, the team honoring their former superstar in the pregame skate by wearing number 68 jerseys and mullet wigs. That's Monday Sports. Thank you, sir. When we return on America in the Morning, former Congressman Sue's TV talk show host after these messages. This is America in the Morning. Bob Marley was the big winner. 
After what some may consider a disappointing holiday box office weekend, Kevin Carr has details. In spite of being one of the lowest grossing President's Day weekends ever, love triumphed at the box office. One the Bob Marley biopic One Love overperformed and easily won the weekend with $28 million. You know you're a superstar. Superstar. That brings its total to 51 million from opening on Valentine's Day through President's Day. Air shine off. In a distant second, Spider-Man adjacent superhero Madam Web spun only 18 million dollars for the weekend and an estimated 26 million for the six days from Valentine's Day through Monday. I don't understand what's happening. This is the latest flop in the pricey superhero genre that has been struggling across several studios for the past year. It's time for you to meet the real. Agent Argyle. The last two weekends, box office champ Argyle took third place with $5.6 million through the long weekend. Why would they care about me? Climbing back up the charts to number four was the animated film Migration, which brought in an estimated $5 million through Monday. Considering its slow start at Christmas, Migration has traveled far with an impressive $116 million domestic run. And rounding out the top five was Wonka with four and a half million dollars. You promise? I pinky promise. That's the most solemn vow there is. This family hit musical also cracked $600 million at the global box office this weekend. I'm Kevin Carr. Former New York Congressman George Santos is suing late-night TV show host Jimmy Kimmel for tricking him and misusing videos that Santos was making for a paid website. Audio courtesy of The Jimmy Kimmel Show, correspondent Margie Zaraleta reports. George Santos says in a lawsuit filed Saturday that Jimmy Kimmel deceived him on the Cameo app, which allows celebrities to make personal videos for fans. The lawsuit says Kimmel submitted at least 14 requests under fake names and narratives to get Santos to do things like congratulate a purported winner of a beef eating contest. Hey, Gary Fortuna. George Santos here. I just wanted to stop by to congratulate you for winning the Clearwater, Florida beef eating contest. Eating six pounds of loose ground beef in under 30 minutes is a all-time new record, which is amazing and impressive. Congratulations for the win. Kimmel used the videos in December in a segment called Will Santos Say It? And then we have disgraced former Congressman George Santos, who has a new gig, making videos on Cameo for $400 a pop, which is a dilemma because on one hand, you hate to give money to a guy like George Santos, but on the other and pretty good chance he has your credit card information already. Santos is seeking statutory damages of $750,000 plus other damages to be determined at trial. Representatives for Kimmel, as well as co-defendants ABC and the Walt Disney Company, did not return requests for comments. America in the Morning for Monday, February 19th, 2024, President's Day, is produced by Jeff McKay. Senior producer Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.